History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. As you must be hearing, we have some trouble at our southern border. There's hundreds of thousands of undocumented or illegal immigrants pouring across the border, many of whom are positive, we're told, for the COVID virus. The Biden administration seems to be largely ignoring the problem or maybe facilitating it, and perhaps because many powerful interests benefit from the current situation. We're really happy to talk today with an experienced immigration attorney, a graduate of UC Berkeley Law School, and a real biblical citizen, Esther Valdez Clayton. She's also an elected member of the Coronado School Board and knows a lot about what's going on in the schools. Welcome, Esther. I'm so excited to be with both you and and Kathleen, Brian. Thank you again. I'm excited because I firmly believe the Bible has the answers and the solutions for what we're going through. And who better to expound upon it than the Word of God and from a biblical point of view. So thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to be with each of these questions. We'll probably be, you know, we'll try to make them as succinct as possible. But we have so many things we want to ask you. So could we start out, Esther? Could you just tell us a little bit about how your family first came to the United States and just a little bit of a personal background? Yeah, so my father was a Baptist minister. We were sponsored by a local church, College Avenue Baptist Church, to come to the United States. I was born in the U.S. My sisters, my mom and dad were not, so we waited in Mexico until we were able to come. And we've been blessed ever since. We always recognized that the hand of God was at work here in the United States, and we always want to promote that from a biblical point of view. So I had the opportunity to uh, go to college at, here locally at UCSD, then later on at UC Berkeley, where I studied immigration law. And now I've been a practicing attorney since 2003, handling immigration cases throughout California, Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, um, largely. That's excellent that you managed to keep your biblical worldview, even going to college. But So Esther, we face a big border crisis now with thousands of unaccompanied minors and many COVID-infected migrants pouring across the border, and then they're being sent around the U.S. You know, we said on our show last week that if you want to solve a problem, you need to look at who's benefiting from the problem, not just who's suffering, who's benefiting. So who is benefiting from this situation, in your opinion? There are many many factors. There's political gain for the Democratic Party to allow hundreds of thousands of migrants from Central America to come to the United States. Whereas uh, in the past, we've had small influx, especially under the Trump administration, we're seeing a 20-year high in the latest numbers. Just in the month of July, we had 210 migrants apprehended at the border. That We haven't seen those numbers in 20 years. Of those, 19,000 were unaccompanied children. We had 80,000 family units. 
And these numbers are skyrocketing to the point that Border Patrol is telling us they might have up to 2 million apprehensions before the year is out. So the political drivers here, Kathleen, are many. Uh, For the Democrats, this is a new base of uh, potential voters down the road. But more than that, it's a way to control people. You start off being government dependent, having to be in detention centers where the government feeds you, clothes you, houses you, relocates you. And then you end up always being in this cycle of poverty, almost never escaping that. And a little bit about my background, I'm a poverty survivor. I know what it's like to live in public housing. I know what it's like to have to fight for opportunities and have to uh, get ahead. It's not an easy road. But the more you ask somebody to be government dependent, you will never escape that cycle of poverty. And that's a tremendous opportunity, like Brian alluded to. No opportunity should go um, wasted. And some people, uh, other very liberal-leaning factions of the Democratic Party, don't want to solve this problem. This is an endless problem that keeps Latinos in their base as a dependent electorate, always promising a solution, never delivering. And that's what we talked about, too, a couple of weeks ago, declaring independence. And that's what our country has been based on, declaration of independence from the government, from the big forces. So I want to ask about your up-close experience with immigration attorneys, I mean, with as an, as an immigration attorney, you get involved in all types of human stories with immigrants. Uh, our laws are not being enforced. That's one of the problems and the policies that stem from that. But give us an example of how this lack of coherent immigration enforcement hurts people. Well, you already have. You've said they, they become dependent. Well, and also speak to the question of benefiting sex, you know, sex traffickers and drug traffickers that are all in this mix as well. As Christians, we have to balance both the uh, political aspect in which the Lord wants law and order, right? He created nations. He created boundaries to benefit those within and without. But also we want to address the human and compassionate component of this where, just like you alluded to, I have had the privilege of representing dozens of people who have come here to the United States and have been exploited on their journey uh, to the United States, which includes uh, uh, traversing deserts, streams, going through railroad, and all along. Imagine you're a single woman, you're a young woman with a baby, with a minor child. You don't have a lot of money, and someone's promising you entry into the United States if you uh, allow yourself to be handled inappropriately. A lot of women under duress have to face those situations. A lot of young women are advised before making that journey by their own mothers to start on birth control so that they don't end up pregnant because they already assume that they're going to be sexually assaulted on the way over to the United States. The amount of exploitation, and that's why I get so passionate about my work, It's because the most vulnerable of children and women, and especially young women, they are exploited. Um, International sources tell us one in four of the women that make it to the United States has been sexually assaulted or sexually mistreated, not to mention children. We don't have the true statistics because children at that point in time, especially if they're so tender in age, they can't even express what happened to them. It's only when I am in closed doors behind closed doors, talking to them, 
that they tell me what actually happened. This is the true level of what is happening at the border. Aside from the dry, the drugs, the crime, the sexual exploitation. Um, yes, the human smugglers are making thousands of dollars through every family that's entering the border. But the human suffering, we also have to highlight that when we talk about the border and border enforcement, because that's really what we're stopping here. Yeah. I want to talk just a little bit more. Yeah, really unbelievable. I want to talk a little bit more about the political aspect. You've said that this certain liberal Democrats, they assume this is going to benefit them. They assume that most Hispanic voters are going to automatically uh, vote Democrat. And that's a big reason why they don't want to get control over the borders. So, my question for you, though, is as as conservatives and as conservative Christians, should we just assume that Latino immigrants automatically are going to vote Democrat because don't they have, in general, pretty strong family values and they want good jobs and they want a lower cost of living? I mean, this is the same things that we want. As a daughter of Mexican immigrants and as a, a Latina voter, it's really frustrating how we sometimes I see conservatives and especially our own party. Most of us are Republican. We're missing a golden opportunity here. We shouldn't assume that Hispanics are by and large Democrats. We want the same things that the Constitution promises every American life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. For Latinos, as well as any American that wants to strive and work here, we want economic opportunity. We want affordable housing. We don't like what's going on in the schools with the sexual education of our, uh, towards our children. Latino children are over 50% of the student population. But what uh, a lot of interest groups that want to promote a sex agenda do, they don't tell Latino parents in Spanish, in the language they understand, What's truly going on? Once you explain it to a Latino voter, you have a fighter, you have an advocate for conservative values, for entrepreneurship. We're aspirational. We want to be homeowners. We want more jobs. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the conservative platform? So we need to go out there and have more outreach, be able to deliver this message. But the Democrats have done that for generations. So it's going to be a a little bit of extra work something that I've had the opportunity to work a little bit with the little with the Larry Elder campaign in doing Latino outreach. And I'm excited that he's taking that message of school choice, school vouchers to Latinos. That's how we win the Latino voters through family values and through the social issues and not with the fiscal arguments that a lot of wallet Republicans want to consistently argue. That doesn't mm-hmm. work in California. Well, and yeah. Just building trust, and the Democrats have broken the trust over and over, as you say. They've, they've promised things, and they don't come through. When we saw Larry Elder the other night at the at the big county meeting on Monday, he said that a polls, and a polls, of course, can be deceiving, but polls are showing that 54% of Hispanic voters in California support the recall of Gavin Newsom, which is very encouraging. So one more question, though, uh, Esther, before the break. Uh, A recent talk you gave up in North County, you said there's a relationship between all the abortions that have been performed since Roe v. Wade and the mass immigration into the U.S. from Mexico, Central America, and other points. So could you explain a little bit about what what you mean by that? In about one minute. Brian, thank you for addressing that because that's something near and dear to my heart. Um, I, as a personal note, I was pregnant as when I was in law school and I faced that Roe v. Wade dilemma. 
So this is something very near to my heart that I will address in my upcoming book called The DACA Dilemma, in which I show a tie between the abortion numbers in the United States directly tied to the Hispanic population and why we are both a blessing to this nation, but also replacement workers for the aborted children since 1973 caused through abortion. And and didn't you say that, I mean, it is in the scriptures that if if you commit the mass of sins, that the land will be taken away from you. And that It'll seems given, to be what ha- is happening. Else. Yep. So it's time for our break now. This has been very interesting. Stay tuned as we talk with Esther Valdez Clayton. She's an immigration attorney and Coronado school board member. And after the break, we're going to talk about what more we can do in the schools to improve our lives and to stop some of the threats against our children. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Esther Valdez-Clayton, immigration attorney and member of the Coronado School Board. Esther, we really appreciate your biblical Christian worldview that you bring to political and social problems. And in our last segment, we talked about your book that you're going to be will be coming out soon, uh, the DACA problem and the relationship between abortion and immigration. Uh, but also, we want to talk about this uh, other problem that you've worked on with our friend, Attorney Dean Broyles, with the National Center for Law and Policy, the challenging so-called California Healthy Youth Act, which really has nothing to do with healthy youth. It promotes explicit sex ed, potentially starting at the kindergarten level. And you've shown that there's a connection also between critical race theory, which is really Marxism, another form of it, and teaching radical sex ed in our public schools. So explain that connection to us. There's a concept within critical race theory known as intersectionality. What that means is that if you are for uh, racial equality, you also have to be Uh, for equality in terms of any kind of sexual identity, any kind of sexual perversion, any kind of sexual deviation other than what the Lord mandated, which is a man and a woman unified in marriage. So they don't allow you to withdraw from that when as Christians, all of us say, wow, I want racial equality. I want racial justice. They automatically assume that you are also for sexual uh, depravity in its many forms. Really? I didn't even know that. It's a concept that is in critical race. I went to um, UC Berkeley. This was already going on in the halls. This is nothing new. The only thing that's new is that now it's seeping into our schools. So when all of a sudden we're hearing about the sexual education of our children, it's part and parcel with the racial equality, racial justice type of argumentation. That's where it gets so dangerous. As Christians, we want to separate that we are all for the fact that the Lord created us all equally. We can handle that with compassion. Equal under the law. um, Yeah. Yeah. Equal under the law. And just like Martin Luther King said, that we should be judged not by the the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. We can espouse that without adopting the sexual politicization that's going on in our schools. And um, Dean Broyles, uh, back in 2016, Mm -hmm. 2017, was an early advocate to be able to be able to communicate to the Latino population, Latino parents who largely are excluded from all of these decisions that are taking place 
in school boards across California and throughout the county so that they would find out what was at the heart of what is going on in the health ed and the sexual education, which is, like you said, teaching children as young as five years old how to um, perform sexual acts upon themselves and how to seek their own sexual identity. And, of course, it has no place in our schools. We need to get back to academics and nothing to do with sexual education in those forms. The last time I checked in the state of California, we have uh, some big room for improvement in things like reading and writing and math. I, I don't know how we have all this extra time to get into all these social issues. Well, but. they want to addict children to sex at very yeah, early it's, age it's so a, they can break down the family because then the state is more able to control people yep, just yep. without so, the family. So, Esther, I'm going to bring up a controversial issue a little bit that uh, – Coronado has talked about, and you brought this up recently at a meeting up in North County, but there's some conservatives in Coronado who have actually accused you of supporting critical race theory or something similar to uh, critical race theory. Can you just address that? a little? Well, I know you can, but just talk about that a little bit. As Christians, there's a fine line with what the Lord calls us to do. We can be both compassionate to uh, the harm that has been caused in the past and current harm and injustice to racial groups, such as what happened in the Tortilla Gate incident, where uh, some members of the larger Coronado community were and have um, been accused of hurling tortillas at the largely Latino basketball players of Orange Glen, who we were hosting in Coronado during a CIF basketball game. I think we all agree, incontrovertibly, that it is wrong. Yeah, that was I wrong. Think as Christians, yep. it is wrong. It yep. is wrong. If it had been a black child, an Arab child, a Muslim child, I would have inherently said it is wrong. It has no place here. Right. As a board, we issued an apology to the school for what had happened. I did meet with members of the Orange Glen staff, and they told me, you know what, this really spoke to us. Thank you for extending that apology, because we get, uh, we get taunted for being low income, for being darker skinned, for uh, the children being of a quote-unquote lower social class. Thank you. We accepted it. We received it. And as Christians, we're called to always uh, surrender our rights for the rights of those who we have agreed. I feel that's my calling to the, as a Christian to bring about reconciliation and forgiveness and hope. Now where it gets political is that so many people misinterpret that, saying, wow, this person is becoming liberal or woke because she is kowtowing, quote-unquote, to the liberal interests of race and playing racial politics. I have never played racial politics with anything. In fact, being Christian should never be political. It's simply being humane, simply addressing that there was a harm done. And moving forward, we can't stop looking at the larger game here, Brian and Kathleen. Yes. As Christians, we can't get bogged down in the politics of the day. The larger game is that there is a war for our children. There's a war for their minds. It starts in the schools. And yes, there are people who love these racial incidents to get political so that they can advance a liberal agenda. And that's where I draw the line. Absolutely. That's where as Christians, we need to draw the line, be astute, like the Bible says, like serpents, and say, hey, I can be both compassionate in terms of racial injustice, but I draw the line with any kind of sexual perversion, any deviation in terms of equity and racial justice that they want to sneak in anything sexual 
and deviant from the Word of God, that's where we have to draw the line. And I hope more Christians are able to look at the end game. What the left wants, what the uh, the proponents of CRT, critical race theory, want is to indoctrinate our children, have access to our children, to bring up children who are going to be advocates and revolutionaries against the very nation that we should all live and love and work to protect. But they want to do a new government. They wanted. Um, they want to destroy the institutions that have been pillars of our society. And where better to start this than at the schools? And that's where the fight is. And I will continue to yes. fight it, with or, whether or not I'm attacked by anyone. That has been my fight since 2016 for the five years that I've been a Coronado school board member. And I hope that more people are able to join in the fight. Grandparents, parents. Sisters, brothers, because it's all about the kids. Yes, that's and they always try to steal the younger generation, and that's what they're doing right now with the schools. That's, that's absolutely what they're doing. And you are being a discerning person, knowing what the, 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 the word justice doesn't need to have the social justice in front of it. it. There's either justice or not. And so I really applaud you for that. Uh, and so to do with this as well, this urgent problem facing parents right now is this issue of masks at the schools and separating kids to do with vaccination status. So uh, I see masks as nothing but trying to suffocate our children. I mean, it's there's no reason for it. There's no medical rationale. And this it should not happen. And a lot of us are going down to this county supervisors meeting August 17th. Reopen San Diego, let them breathe, some other groups. We are going to protest this. There's no reason for this. So uh, children are dying of suicide. They're not dying of COVID. They have almost zero chance of it. So how, you know, how can we address this as parents and, and of course, as school board members? This, you're right in the thick of that, too. As biblical voters, we need to address it from the top. Because what the governor did last year was that he usurped local control to that he has emergency powers to say, since we're in an emergency pandemic, I'm going to make those local decisions from Sacramento. So as local leaders, I'm on the Coronado School Board. I do not have that power to be able to eradicate the mask mandate. And that's something we all need to realize. Your local school board does not have the power to make those mask mandates go away. The only person who can do that is the governor because he has emergency powers. As a school board, um, we met last week. I voted to join in with the Orange County Board of Education's lawsuit against the state of California to overturn the mask mandate and take away the governor's emergency powers. Uh, Just like I mentioned uh, last year, I stated we will never get those powers back if we surrender it to the governor. And it's 18 months into this pandemic. We haven't gotten it. So I urge you to take the protest to the governor and to Sacramento. And we must are tied locally. Yes, we must recall this governor. He's we must get this emergency order lifted. So in the remaining time, we only have about a couple minutes. We support the school choice initiative, Esther, which gives parents resources to choose whether to attend traditional public schools, charter schools or private schools. So. Uh, explain why you think this is really important and how this would help our state. And we haven't talked about this before, so I don't even know. I have no idea what you're going to say about this, Esther, but let us have it. (laughs) Uh, I'm the beneficiary of school choice. If my parents hadn't been able to put me in a private Christian school, I wouldn't have had that biblical foundation. So the importance of that is that our public schools, the way you get to assign to a public school is based on geography and what kind of housing you can afford. And that's the local school. Most Latinos and immigrants 
aren't in the best performing schools. So it almost guarantees a cycle of poverty because they can't escape it because one of the best ways to escape cyclical poverty and have social mobility is through the schools. And that's one of the main reasons I was able to go to uh, some top uh, some top uh, institutions of higher learning, such as UCSD and UC Berkeley, because I was able to go to a school outside of my zip code near the border where I lived. So I'm all for school choice. I, I know that it's going to benefit those who it hurts the bo- most. Hispanics and Blacks, mostly students of color, underperform in mathematics and in science. We have a huge achievement gap between Latino students and white students, one of the best ways to address that is through school choice. I'm all for it. And I can also be an advocate for our public schools because I don't Definitely. Think surrender it to anyone. Well, th- thanks, Esther. We could talk for more hours, and I know we're going to ask you to be our guest again on this show. But thanks so much for being our guest today. You are a biblical citizen. Thanks so much. Great example. God bless you both. Thank you. Yes. To bless your neighbor this week... Speak out about the border crisis, call for enforcement of the law, and on education, attend your local school board meetings, or run for school board yourself like Esther's done. Get involved in the School Choice Initiative at CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org and join us to speak at the County Supervisors Meeting, August 17. Till next week, folks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibilities Responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K Praise. <laughs>